Hello, human being. Salamu alaikum. Today is the first day of Ramadan. Very grateful to be here again with Michael Jones. So last time we had a conversation of crypto economics, really. Um, today we're really changing the topics, uh, talking about Christianity. So Michael studied theology and is actually a pastor at a local church here in Cincinnati. So very grateful to have you today, Michael. Happy to be here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so just to start off with your journey in Christianity, how did you become a Christian? Were you a Christian, raised a Christian? Why did you study theology and why are you a pastor now? Sure. Uh, so in Christianity, we, we call this a testimony, uh, okay. which shares how you came to Christ. So I was raised in a Christian home. I grew up in eastern Kentucky in Ashland. Okay. Uh, blessed to have two parents who, when the church doors were open on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, we were there. Uh, when the churches have the homecomings and they have their potluck dinners, then you know my, my family always made sure that I was in church. Uh, but of course, uh, just going to church and, and, and doing uh, things that you're told doesn't make you uh, a Christian. So mm -hmm. around the age of nine or so, I felt the, um, the burden of my sin. So sin is the idea that we have committed some offense against God. Uh, we haven't lived up to his standard. Um, so around the age of, of nine, I very um, clearly recognized my need for a savior because sin creates a division, uh, creates a separation between ourselves and God. Uh, and for those who have not come to Christ, then there is a punishment uh, for your sin, which is a eternity in hell. And so around the age of nine, I repented of my sin, trusted in Christ uh, as my Savior, recognized that his death on the cross, his perfect life, was a substitute um, for the righteousness that God demands. So I, I came to accept Christ at the age of nine, and we accept Christ not just as our Savior, but also as our Lord, uh, which means that when you repent and come to him, uh, he becomes your Lord, which means you follow after him. So uh, after repenting and being baptized, uh, continue to... Uh, of course, at the age of nine, I stayed under my parents. Uh, uh -huh. I was going to say, like the age of nine, that's that's like really young to be cognizant. Like, yeah, I need to repent all my sins. Like, I don't know if many nine-year-olds are. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting question. Uh -huh. I actually have known people that are even younger than nine. I think you can... Uh, uh, I don't know if you have kids. Uh, no, probably, I don't. probably not. Okay. Uh, so, so kids at a pretty early age, uh, they realize that that the the things that they're doing are wrong. Now, of course, uh, at the age of three and four, it's mm -hmm. uh, my parents are punishing me, or they're you know uh, uh, doing something to me that's in response to my action. So it's it's mm -hmm. purely a sort of a physical reaction. But over time, and I think uh, God has been gracious and reveals just in nature uh, who he is, his existence. But also we have the law of God written on our hearts. Uh, I think we, we, we don't need to teach children how to sin. We don't need to teach them to mm -hmm. lie or to uh, disobey. They just do it naturally. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it may sound like a nine-year-old is young, but um, uh, I think even uh, my daughter just became uh, a Christian and so she's 10, uh, and, and just hearing her testimony, she you know, quickly realized uh, during uh, the preaching of the gospel that uh, you know, she was a sinner and that she needed uh, Christ as a Savior. So after being um, baptized, Christ calls us to repent and to be baptized, uh, continued to obviously stay in my, my church, but then became mm -hmm. active. Um, and what, what church was that denomination uh, was? Baptist. Baptist, yep. okay. So it's Baptist. Mm -hmm. um, so, so real quick, with Baptists... Um, we believe that a baptism is is an is immersion. So a person is uh, picturing Christ's death, 
burial and resurrection. And Baptists uh, also practice baptism following a profession of faith, um, so not an infant baptism. Uh, so someone professes Christ, uh, and then they are baptized. Uh, so continued to uh, be active at my church, um, uh, led a Bible study at my school. I actually went to a public high school. Um, I don't know if things have changed in the last 20 years. I even remember praying at, uh, before the high school football games. Uh, I don't know things might be different here in Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm not, I, I didn't go to high school around here, but yeah, I mean, as far as public schools, I don't think it's, it's they try not to be religious as much right. as possible. Like, they, you know, that's just how they how they do it you you have to go to a catholic school or a right. uh you know parochial school to actually sure. be yeah uh so uh in college uh, again became pr- pretty active uh led some bible studies um was married in 2004 so about uh 20 years ago my wife and I we both grew up in very similar churches we both grew up in the same area um so joined a, a local church here and then continued to be active about 2015, uh, I joined Providence Bible Fellowship, which is the church up in Westchester, Ohio, where I'm also a pastor, and that was not something that I expected to, to do. Um, when I Right before I got married in 2004, I mm-hmm. did study um, theology and religious studies at Cambridge University. Uh, my other passion is languages, so I studied mm-hmm. Latin, Greek, Hebrew, uh, and then at Cambridge, I studied Aramaic. So I was really motivated to read the Bible in the original languages. Mm. So there are, there are three languages, yeah. Hebrew and Greek and the New mm-hmm. Testament. And then there's portions of the Old Testament that are in Aramaic. Um, and so that was the language that Jesus would have spoke at uh-huh. the time. I was going to say, yeah, I, I uh, thought that was Yeah, was so just for some background there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I didn't do it in order to go full-time into ministry. It was a, a passion of mine. It was mm-hmm. something that I wanted to do before I got married. So then if you accelerate, fast forward about 15 years, um, within a church, there are, there are two offices, there are two roles, uh, leadership roles in a church. One is a pastor and one's a deacon. So a pastor is dedicated to the preaching and teaching of the word, uh, as well as prayer and shepherding. And a deacon is, takes, takes care of a lot of the uh, more physical uh, daily tasks of the church, um, making sure that members are taken care of uh, more of their physical needs. That way the pastors can be devoted uh, mm-hmm. to, to prayer. So I was a deacon first, um, and I thought, well, that's just kind of what I'll do. Um, I, I expected that that would happen. But then after about three years, um, the pastors there at the church said, you know, we'd, we'd like for you to consider being a pastor. Now, a pastor, you can look at the qualifications for these two positions uh, in Scripture. You can look in 1 Timothy, for example. Um, and the requirements for a deacon and a pastor are nearly identical. Uh, so things like, uh, obviously, have a good reputation, uh, making sure that you're not a lover of money, that you're sober, uh, you know, husband of one wife, that you raise your children well, etc. But the, the difference between a pastor and a deacon is that a pastor has to have uh, experience as in their uh, maturity in their Christian faith, mm-hmm. so you don't want to convert, uh, but you also want uh, an individual who can teach uh, well uh, because they're preaching. Mm-hmm. So I'm a professor here at the <laughs> university, uh, and, and, and so uh, after a, a period of time and study uh, and, and thoughtful uh, time in prayer, um, I did. Uh, uh, I, I was selected to, to become a pastor at the church, and, and that's where I'm at now. Mm. That's, that's awesome. I have, I have so many questions spanning from that. It's just like such an interesting, just Knowing the actual original texts of of the Hebrew and the Greek and whatnot, I think is is so cool. Um, so that was like really a, a personal thing that you were like, 
I really want to know what the Bible and its original text would mean, sound like, and... Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's certainly not a requirement uh, yeah, to know yeah. what God says, so I don't want uh-huh. to take away that if you don't know Greek that you, you can't understand the will of God yeah, um, because uh-huh. we have a very strong, solid translations. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there are certain times where uh, the English can be unclear, and there are passages where uh, the way the Greek is phrased and written, um, it can mean different things. Mm-hmm. And so some translations uh, may use words that might not be the best. Uh, and so going back to the original languages helps you um, understand the context better. Um, but I, I would not say, in fact, I find it kind of obnoxious when uh, preachers and pastors will just you know, keep talking about, well, the Greek says X, Y, and Z. And, uh, you know, God can speak uh, certainly through the English language as well. Mm. Yeah, I heard like like syllables or something that was were, were different. And, and maybe, uh, maybe it was Greek or maybe it was uh, it's not Italian. Uh, uh, so, so there's w- w- in the case of of Greek, um, the way uh, the noun changes depending on its use in the sentence. Mm-hmm. So, like we have a bit of this left over when we change our personal pronouns from I, uh, that's the subject, uh, to he hit me. You know, that's the accuser, uh, uh, um, uh, the direct object. Mm-hmm. So the word can change, and the and in the Greek that happens all the time. So if um, a noun is in the uh, nominative case versus the dative case uh, versus the genitive case, uh, it will change its meaning. And so we don't have that same type of um, system in the English language. And so mm. when you look at the words, that helps you understand the meaning uh, by going back to the original language. Mm. What was like your, was there any things reading in, in Greek or, or any other language like Hebrew, for example, that changed your your take on on the bible or any meaning towards it in any way or was it no i wouldn't wouldn't say it changes my my take and in some sense it shouldn't i think it makes you appreciate the word of god more so hebrew has uh the way they structure uh poetry for example they use parallelism and so they'll kind of say the same thing in different words they'll use phrases like um, he dreamed dreams. Uh, so it's just like this, <laughs> right? It's the, okay. We don't use that kind of language, but, yeah. but like dreaming dreams, it's just this uh, very beautiful, frankly, uh, language. And so it, in, in some sense, Hebrew is, is a little more simple, uh, even though it's from a, a native English speaker, it looks very difficult. Obviously, it's read right to left as opposed to you know left to right like mm-hmm. English. Um, but the grammar is is fairly simple. And so I think it creates some powerful... Um, uh, alliteration, for example, that you get mm. in Hebrew that you don't get uh, in the English translation. Mm. Like, for example, some some other people I talk to that know multiple languages say English a lot of times, uh, for example, like the word love. We use love for so many different things, whereas maybe some other languages have different words to describe different types of love, right, for example. Right, right, absolutely. Like, like eros and, and agape, you know, so the philos, uh, so these are kind of this brotherly love, mm-hmm. uh, right? There's this more like um, physical romantic love, right? So Greek definitely uses, mm. I mean, those are three words that I used right there for love. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think in English we would, understand what we're talking about based on, yeah, the context. Based on the context. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So it, it's, uh, it's, so it's a little more simple. I use that word before with Hebrew, uh, Greek, uh, you can communicate what you want in fewer words because I can use that particular word for a brotherly love uh, mm-hmm. versus a romantic love. Mm, that's interesting. 
Um, but you don't, you wouldn't think that like changes the meaning. Just based on the context, you can basically assume what the actual meaning is meant to be. Yeah, and that's the role of a good translator <laughs> uh, is to take what uh, the original text says um, and provide it in the most accurate way uh, possible in the in the English language. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it does require expanding a little bit. Um, that's not adding to the Word of God if if you uh, you know put it in the right context. But you got to also be very careful. So one. A uh, caveat there is, I mean, you are dealing with the Word of God, and so making sure that when you are translating it, you are doing it as accurately as possible. You're not introducing uh, your own particular interpretations. Mm-hmm. There's, there's separate, um, there's a whole um, uh, discipline around hermeneutics, which is how do you understand the meaning of the text and interpret mm. the text. And so you want to make sure that your translation uh, is as close as possible to the original meaning, and you're not imposing uh, a particular uh, ideology or theology. Mm, her- hermetics? Hermeneutics. Her- hermeneutics. Yeah. Hermeneutics. Okay. Interesting. So let's just start, let's just start right, right off with, with who is Jesus? Yeah. So great, great question. Yeah. I think, uh, you, you talked about your, your celebrating Ramadan, I think. Yes. Uh, today. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. So uh, I'm doing Ramadan the, the whole month. Fast, uh, oh, okay. fasting, whole month. Okay. Uh, praying. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, so, so, um, Jesus Christ is the, is the Son of God. He is 100% God. He is 100% man. Uh, he is one of the parts of the Trinity. So in Christianity, we believe that there are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when uh, sin separates us from God, uh, there does need to be a, a Savior. There needs to be an uh, atonement for that sin. God is holy. He's just. And, and so those are the... In fact, God has to be holy. He has to be just. That's who, his, who he is, who his nature is. And so if there is um, uh, a possibility to reconcile and bring man uh, back to God, then there needs to be that uh, sacrificial atonement, uh, which would be through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ uh, was born 2,000 years ago. Uh, he lived a perfect life. So as humans, we are uh, under... Um, God's law. We have things. It's we even Scripture says it's written on our hearts. So going back to like nine year olds, they they know what's mm-hmm. right or wrong, and, and in fact, to me, that's probably the best evidence for the existence of God. There's there's lots. You can go back to medieval uh, medieval times and and look at all these different existent proofs of existence for God. Uh, but what I find most convincing, and even talking to other people, it's we, we know what's right or wrong. Uh, we know mm-hmm. stealing, lying, adultery. These things, doesn't matter what culture you're in, these mm-hmm. things are wrong. And if there is uh, a universal law, there has to be a universal lawgiver. So mm-hmm. that person is God, and a universal lawgiver has to be just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I know a lot of people would, of course, <laughs> talk talk against that and sure. say, you know, that that can't be the truth. That's That's impossible. It's all... Uh, based on your environment, it's it's what you're taught, and that's that's the way it is. But go on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would just um, you know, use lots of examples of where mm-hmm. you, know, you take Germany uh, during uh, obviously World War II. I mean, they mm-hmm. weren't breaking any laws, uh, but they were put on on trial for crimes against humanity. There's this universal law. There's things I talked about murder. I mean, there's no culture in which murder is yeah, acceptable. So, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Anyway, so if we have a, a God that provides the law, there has to be a punishment. There has to be holiness and justice. And so um, 
he also demands righteousness and complete fulfillment of his law. So the only person who has ever done that is capable of doing that is Jesus Christ. And so he lives that perfect life. And then uh, his purpose in coming to the earth, of course, was to uh, die on the cross for his people, to provide that substitutionary uh, payment for sin. And so Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, uh, not only did he die and pay the penalty, he rose again and conquered death. And so he is... uh, of course, uh, living. Uh, he reigns today. He is uh, uh, in heaven, and uh, he is on the right hand of the Father. And so he is, for those of who accepted him, uh, follow him as Lord and Savior, uh, we, we call ourselves Christians. Hmm. So when you say Jesus Christ is God, mm-hmm. that makes me very skeptical. You sure. Because in my mind, there is only one God. And in a lot of Christian faith saying the Trinity Almost in my mind, it's it's almost like a polytheistic mm. or a, a what's the word? Maybe a henotheism. I'm not sure I'm familiar with that term. Say that again. Uh, uh, henotheism. You have to explain. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I heard it in a, a a video a couple of days ago. I'm basically saying that there there is one God, but then other gods around it, or um, maybe lesser, but still looked at as deities. In some mm-hmm. sense, um, so yeah. What would you have to say to that? Yeah. So uh, there's one God and three persons. Uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, the way that we would describe it, uh-huh. and it's it's difficult to understand. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, I don't fully understand it. Uh, and in this life, I don't think we ever fully will. But Jesus um, has always been, has always always is, and always will be. Um, he has always been with the Father. Um, and so when we say one God, he is still God. He is 100% God, uh, but he also fully took on human flesh. He was 100% a man uh, because that, is, uh, that was necessary in order to uh, you know, pay the substitutionary or, or pay the uh, price for sin. So we would use the phrase, he's one God, still one substance, uh, but he is uh, three persons. Uh, he's manifest himself. And there's, there's lots of analogies that you'll probably hear. I don't mm-hmm. think any of them are perfect, so I, I don't even like some of them. Um, but it's uh, uh, three persons, one, one God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is confusing to me for me to, to wrap my mind around. And I did grew up, grow up with Christianity and um, then kind of went to like not believing in God altogether and then uh, actually had a a spiritual experience with psychedelic mushrooms and that changed everything for me. Mm. Um, I had an experience that was, was so profound, realer than, than anything. This just this connectedness to everything and everyone and nature and human beings and this human experience and that there's no way that there can't be a God. And but how to explain that and uh, and the the semantics of of all of everything that goes around that I don't know <laughs> and I think that um, you you would agree yourself we can't really fully grasp this omniscient being and and all of its parts in this lifetime in this human form we can't understand God fully the Apostle Paul talks about uh, in this world we see through a glass darkly um, we are still uh, limited in our uh, capacities our faculties who we are as human beings I mean just we can't even thinking about things like an eternal God you know there was a time mm-hmm. there there was never a time where God was not and there never will be a time when he is not uh, you know it's it's that is difficult to mm-hmm. understand like you, you don't fully comprehend it um, 
But I will say that God has revealed himself to us, and I think this is where Scripture is really important. So, so Christianity, we believe that the, the revelation of God, the things that he wants us to know, that he, he still wants a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that is going back to that idea of the Trinity. He is a relational God, or he has mm-hmm. a relationship. The Father and the Son have a relationship. And so we, as his creation, he wants to have a relationship uh, with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he reveals himself to us. And how do we know who he is? It's through scripture. So when you read uh, in the morning, when you get up, and we, uh, the, you know, the psalmist talks about getting up in the morning and, and, and at night reading the word of God, then you have that relationship uh, with him. And so he mm-hmm. reveals himself through scripture. So we can know um, who he is uh, through his word. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I agree with that. Is the thing that maybe I, I don't agree with is just Jesus himself being God. In Islam, from my understanding so far, I'm not, I'm not a Muslim. I'll say that first and foremost. Uh, I'm exploring Islam and Christianity and all sorts of spirituality, but specifically Islam in this holy month of Ramadan yep. uh, especially. And, um, but from my understanding, the prophets are all equal in the eyes of of Islam, uh, Muhammad, Jesus, Abraham, Moses, peace and blessings be upon all of them, are all equal and messengers of God and should not be treated like gods. Uh, right. So the difference between Christianity and uh, Islam and, and Judaism. So mm-hmm. both of them are, are you hear the phrase "people of the book," um, uh-huh. right? So they all descend from from Father Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is that uh, both Judaism and Islam reject Christ uh, as being the Son of God? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they've they've done it in different ways, uh-huh. um, but that is the key dis- distinguishing feature of Christianity. Uh, obviously, is is Christ. Uh-huh. And um, in fact, Christ himself, though, and I think this is where, uh, if you read works by C.S. Lewis, um, he talks about this. You either are forced to reconcile, uh, either he's God is Jesus is crazy, right, because he's claiming to be God, yeah, uh-huh. uh, or he he's right. Like, but he he forces you to decide. And Christianity is exclusive, and I think this is important to note when you talk about um, uh, the, the distinctions between Christianity and Islam. Uh, Christ has no room for those who don't accept him as, as God. You know, all that the Father uh, will, will come to him, all that the Father will draw will come to him through Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those who do not believe in Christ, um, you know, do not have that relationship with, with God the Father. It is an exclusive mm-hmm. religion. Did, did Jesus ever say in Scripture at all, I am God? Because didn't he say, I'm the, the son of God, and, and you are all sons of God in, in a sense? So he never. Uh, so he never says that we are. Uh, to my knowledge, never says that we are. Uh, he calls us as children of God. Children, uh, children, okay. you know, children, children of the Father. Yeah. I mean, okay. So and I think it's important. We think about coming back to this relational um, uh, desire that God has for His people. He is God the Father, and He adopts us as children uh, into His family. And I think, uh, in fact, we call Christ our our brother. Um, and I think that's really important. You know, as a father myself. Uh, you know, God has put institutions in this world uh, which picture and point to him. And so mm. as, a, as a father myself mm. of children, you know, I, I think these are the first experiences or ideas that my children have about who God is. And that's a very serious responsibility mm-hmm. when you think about if, if my children see 
who God is and that relationship that God should have with his people, he sees that, you know, uh, they, they see that in my relationship with him. Um, uh, so, so yes, I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, he claims to be God uh, in Scripture, and he is, uh, and, and it's important because only God does not have that uh, sin nature. And so when we are born, we have that desire, we have that, and uh, uh, the uh, in Reformed doc- doctrine, Reformed theology, we call this total depravity, uh, which means that we're not... Um, uh, uh, how do I say this in the right way? With, with with total depravity, every nature, every part of us is fully corrupted, um, and so we have this innate desire to sin. Jesus Christ uh, does not have that sin nature, and mm-hmm. it was only through that that we can actually have the possibility of salvation. Mm-hmm. So He mm-hmm. needs to be a hundred percent God in order to deliver salvation to His people. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that that quote where you said. It's, it's either he's just a crazy person or he's actually the son of God. And that's not me. That's, that's no, you know, C.S. Lewis. But yeah, 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 yeah. C.S. Lewis. Um, and I actually was, uh, last night I watched The Case for Christ, mm. the movie. Have you seen that before? I have not. No. It's a, a story of uh, Lee Strobel. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of Lee Strobel before. No. I don't think so. Um, so he was, he was an atheist. Um, who was working for the Chicago Tribune, and he was like a cold case detective. And uh, his wife um, came to Christ, got baptized and everything, and he was just so confused. He wanted his wife back. He thought she just joined this cult, and he just is so confused and looking for answers everywhere. So like a cold case detective Mm. is going out looking for all the evidence. He's talking to different pastors and medical doctors and psychologists and everything to see if the history and science and all of this like lines up together. And in the end, he couldn't disprove he he wanted he went into it trying to disprove it Mm. but he could not disprove it with all of the like hard evidence and i thought that was that was really really interesting um and yeah in the in the end now he's a he's a pastor somewhere in in texas and um yeah it's interesting that you said he was a a detective Uh, one of the other pastors at our church is is um in the um criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to him, but also talking to another individual um, who said, police, they, they, they realize the existence of God because they see evil every day. Mm-hmm. I think we're partly quarantined from it. Uh, personally, live in a relatively safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really see crime on a day-to-day basis. But if you are out seeing evil in this world, I mean, you know the exist- that, that evil is real. Um, you also see justice, but you also see love. I mean, you you see it every day. So it's just interesting when you say the the detective. I can mm-hmm. I can absolutely see that. Yeah, definitely. And just just looking at the facts like that. But one thing that that kind of sparked in my mind was I always try to look as peop at people as good people. If I go into any room, if I go into any situation, thinking that maybe this person's evil, then they're pro- they might they might be. It might like go into a bad situation. So from my mind. I look into that situation as everybody's a good person, but we can be corrupted because we're all natures of sin. So would, would you say that same thing, that we are all good people, but we can be corrupted by sin? Or is there people born innately that are 
satanic devil people that can't be <laughs> be saved. Yeah, so I answer those in two parts. Uh, and again, we can go to scripture. You can read mm-hmm. in, in Romans talks about there's none that doeth good, no, not one. You know, uh, so there <laughs> is there is no, when God looks at us. Um, even the things that we think that we're doing are good. We have a corrupted heart. Uh, so we might look on the outside and say, oh, this child is obeying. Um, but that child is not doing that out of a love or worship for, for God. He's doing that because, oh, if I don't do this, then there's going to be some bad physical consequence or something mm-hmm. happens in my life. Um, so, no, I think, I think actually Scripture is very clear that um, there is, is nothing good about humanity. Um, however, so I want to then say the other thing, like how does that mean that we treat people? We are to love everyone. We are all created in the image of God. I mean, God has created us. If you think about what that means, as the Imago Dei, we are, we are image bearers. Um, we uh, reflect some of the attributes and characteristics of God. And so when I treat individuals, so it's the same point. When I go into a room, mm-hmm. uh, I, I love, we are commanded even to love our enemies as Christians yeah. um, because mm-hmm. God has created them. And in fact, God, we, we want them to be saved. We want them to come to the knowledge of him. We want them to repent of their sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you, I mean, there's lots of parables. You see the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? So the, the individual who is uh, the enemy, the sworn enemy of the Jews, I mean, he was a, a Samaritan. Um, and, you know, he uh, was passed by by, some, you know, the Levite and, and, and some of these other uh, very religious people. Um, but as Christians, we are to love uh, everyone. We are, in fact, we are commanded to do that. Mm-hmm. So just because somebody is not good doesn't mean that I'm not uh, treating them in a way that uh, considers them as someone who's creating the image of God. I love them. I want to, uh, in fact, I want, th- I want to see them uh, come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, in in scripture, a lot um, something that I've had to maybe come to some different conclusion, and people in the past have said the same thing as well, especially women, is why do we say God is Him? Yeah. So I think if you look in uh, Genesis when he created human beings again in the image of God, he created male and female. So he created uh, um, two distinct roles. Mm-hmm. I think this is important: equal in value, but certainly different in in that relationship. Yeah. Uh, I think that's part of the diversity uh, that mm-hmm. God creates. I mean, if we were all the same, it'd be kind of a boring place to be. So God creates two distinct roles, uh, and obviously. Um, men and women in a mirror. So coming back to why did God create men and women? Mm-hmm. Um, and so men are, are fathers. And so when you think about that relationship that fathers have, I mean, they do have that leadership role in the family. Um, and I think this is uh, maybe a bit controversial and sort of in this day and age, but you know, a marriage is yeah. not a democracy. Um, and in fact, if you read the Apostle Paul, it says that husbands are to love their wives, uh, wives are to also love their husbands, but they're also to submit to their husbands. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to hear that word when you yeah. say submit, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, like red misogynistic. It sounds yeah, misogynistic, but I think yeah. that that reflects like a misunderstanding of what that what that means. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that uh, women are less smarter. It, uh, it doesn't mean that they're not capable of um, you know working outside the home. In fact, my wife is a physician. My wife makes more money than I do. You know, she's smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in our own marriage. Um, there is a leadership, and what that means is that God is going to hold the the husband uh, accountable for the family and the decisions that they make. So when you think about raising your children, 
and making sure that that's our responsibility. We are to raise the children in the, in the, in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. And that means that if the children are not uh, in church, if you're not exposing them to the gospel, uh, God's going to hold the, the man accountable. He's going to hold the, the father accountable. And so when we think about that role, so now like going back to God the Father, mm-hmm. um, that's the sort of picture that um, God has used for his relationship with his, his people. So they are just as husbands and fathers start to lead their family, you know, God the Father is someone we look to as that protector. Um, and can you think about like that, what God is going to hold the, the man responsible for, protecting his family, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that influences that shouldn't be in the home, um, you know, he's not exposing his kids. Like, I don't let my kids, uh, they don't have social media accounts. You know, I'm not letting anything. How, on how the, old are they? If, no, they're only, tw- they're 12, they're 12 and uh-huh. 10, but I can tell you so many times they're asking for cell phones yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, again, it is that uh, father's responsibility to um, make sure that, you know, bad influences do not come into the home and that you're there as uh, uh, serving as a protector, frankly, for your family. So that that type of imagery that God uses when he creates male and female, mm-hmm. uh, it's the perfect picture of how God has that relationship with his, his people. Because, mm. like, nowadays it's just so, so confusing and convoluted and the, the gender uh, spectrum is just... Uh, insanity and in, in the facts where that would just completely turn them off to any any scripture like why is it why is it him why can't it be her why isn't it it um so that that alone would maybe not bring people to god and um like for example my brother is gay mm-hmm. and i don't know if he will ever turn to christ turn to any spiritual scripture in any sense because of of those things and how men and women are viewed in the eyes of God based on scripture. So what would you say to, sure. to that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, our responsibility as Christians is, is to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not, uh, we do not save people. Uh, salvation is, uh, is, is holy of God. Um, I mean, he, he calls us, he, he regenerates us. Um, uh, so it is, uh, salvation is a work of God alone. But that doesn't mean that we are not responsible to share the truth. And, and sure, it's uncomfortable, right? I mean, people do not like to have their sin exposed. Me, me personally, right? I don't want you to see the, the sin in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes people uncomfortable. Um, but I think in each of these cases, um, uh, even Scripture uses the word that people are blind, you know, there are things that they don't want to see, yeah. and 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 uh, it's not our responsibility to try to uh, change the language in a way to make them more comfortable. In fact, that's actually doing them a, a, a disservice. If you look at um, who were who were the uh, performers, I think it was Penn and Teller. I can never remember which one is which, but one of them is an atheist, mm-hmm. um, and, and he basically said, "If a Christian is not uh, preaching the truth to me, shame on him." Because he he believes I know the truth, mm-hmm. and he believes this is the way yeah. uh, to, to to salvation. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sharing that, he, he's like, you know, that is awful. And and he's an atheist saying that. So again, going back to this relationship of whether it's you know different uh, views of sexuality, and uh, you know, happy to talk about it. Um, but we would again go to scripture and say these are the these are the plans that God has in our lives. These are the designs, um, and, and we're to speak the truth and share the truth mm-hmm. in love. Right, I mean, certainly you can do that in love. Uh-huh. Uh, so you go back to that relationship you mentioned with your brother. 
still your brother. You mm-hmm. still love him. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you would, uh, uh, if you were Christian, if you were in my shoes, I would uh, so lovingly, uh, you know, remind him of, of this uh, uh, sin. Um, I would pray for him. I would encourage him to read scripture himself and, uh, you know, continue to love him. Um, he's, he's part of your family and mm-hmm. always will be. Mm-hmm. And one thing in Christianity as well is, is that all sins are equal from, from my, my understanding with that. Is that true? Um, in a sense that uh, any sin will send you to hell. Uh, mm-hmm. So all these sins are uh, offensive against God. Uh, but even you can see that there are different, uh, certainly different physical punishments. Sure, yeah. I mean, like God, murder is, uh, is worse than having a sip of beer. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. When you go back and, uh, oh, I wouldn't say a sip of beer is, is a sin. <laughs> so I'm not a teetotaler. No, I'm not a teetotaler. No, no, uh-huh. um, getting drunk is a sin. Right, so I think mm, okay. uh, 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 scripture is very clear that um, in- getting drunk, intoxication. getting intoxicated uh-huh. is a sin. Okay. But uh, I mean, you know, there, there are plenty of passages in, in scripture where you know uh, the, uh, the Passover they used wine, for example. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, don't, don't yeah. wanna, uh, <laughs> actually, I forget the question. Where was I going with this? Oh, um, all sins being equal. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think there there are clearly differences where I mean, just look at the Old Testament, where uh, again, certain certain sins are, are punishable by death, and certain sins, uh, you know, are, are are not. You can you mm-hmm. can make a sacrifice, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you're you're correct in the in the sense that uh, any sin uh, is is sufficient to, to separate us from from God. So as far as as fallen angels. Um, I'm a huge history, ancient history type of guy. Okay. Um, so I like to look at the Bible and these uh, ancient scriptures as history books in some sense, in a, in a literal meaning. I know that there's a lot of analogies and metaphors and mm. different different things like that. So something that's interesting to me is that a lot of these ancient scriptures match up with certain timelines, certain time frames of, yeah. say entities or beings making contact with them and possibly altering the way they live, teaching them certain uh, ways to build structure, use agriculture, be in a social way. Um, So in that literal sense, would you say that there literally has been fallen angels that have been on earth and have altered humanity? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, again, I think there's there's plenty of passages in Scripture that that talk about the very real uh, and and in fact uh, interventions that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, plenty of pl- plenty of Scripture, and you read even you talk about the the phrase the fallen angels. Of course, that comes from uh, prior to human beings created. Um, one of the angels, Satan, Lucifer, mm-hmm. uh, thought himself and desired to be equal to God. In fact, that's the ultimate sort of sin, the sense of pride. You know, mm-hmm. all sin really has its origin. In, in pride, which is uh, essentially putting yourself before God, uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're uh, if you're stealing, if you're lying, right? If you're yeah. if you're murdering, right? Like you're putting yourself uh, before God. So these these um, angels, right? God created uh, these beings, uh, and it says that Satan rebelled, wanted to be like God, mm-hmm. and there were uh, a number of of angels as well uh, that joined him in this rebellion. Uh, and, and of course, God has uh, uh, separated them uh, from heaven, uh, and, and and there are not just uh, demons, uh, but there are also, of course, angels that intervene in this world. We read in Hebrews that it says, um, "Be careful not to entertain strangers, because some have entertained angels unaware." Uh, so I think there are 
uh, again, it's a, it's a little bit controversial, maybe in this day and age, uh, and it's um, something that I think in the Western world we have a little bit more difficulty with. As uh, far as? Uh, just accepting the reality that there are um, uh, and angels, demons um, mm. that are actually you know physically present that are here. Mm. Oh, you you think like mm-hmm. angels and demons are actually here, oh, like sure. living oh, with sure. us? Like sure. I mean, you look like at hiding. You look at uh, uh, Jesus when he talked about uh, you know the the, the man who uh, uh, was was crazy and he was demon possessed. Of course, Jesus cast out the demons. They go into pigs, and you know, there's uh, I encourage you to read that that scripture. So mm-hmm. um, now I think what Satan does is when you have that reality, like your mind is instantly open to spiritual things. So when you have this interaction uh, with the spiritual world, uh, with with a demon or or, or with an angel, uh, you know Satan doesn't want that to happen because now I remember I said before that people are blinded uh, to their own sin, but they're also blinded to the spiritual uh, things. And so uh, by continuing and allowing people to think like, oh, there's no such thing as demons, right? There's there's no I don't exist. Uh, there's, I forget that that quote. The greatest lie that the devil ever told was that he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so we keep going about in our own world, being completely comfortable. Uh, and if we don't think that there are there, there's evil, mm-hmm. we don't we don't necessarily see the uh, the reality of God either. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I'll go back to your point about history and kind of books. I think uh, certainly the Bible is historically accurate, but it, it, I would not consider it. You know, it's not an exhaustive history list, right? Sure. So it's not something we say, oh well. Uh, you know, it didn't mention X, Y, and Z, so therefore it's false. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there is a lot of alignment. You know, you you find uh, very similar themes, of course, uh, agreement with what you find in Scripture with other texts. Yeah. But I think that's uh, confirmation of the validity uh, and the truth that's found in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Like Noah's Ark, for example, is is one of the ones that is just so right. so clear because in so many other ancient scriptures, it's there's a great flood. There's a great flood. Yep. There's a great flood, and then we have a, a restart of society. And uh, today, scientists would probably say that might be the like younger Dryas impact theory. Um, I don't know if you've you've heard of that before. Say that again. The younger Dryas impact theory. Younger Dryas impact. I don't think so. You have yeah. to, you have to uh-huh. explain that. Yeah. It's a uh, so basically, um, there's actually this Netflix special that uh, is by Graham Hancock. I really, really recommend it to you okay. and anybody else out there. Really in depth explaining the younger Dryas impact theory and how there was a great flood around. I think. I don't. I don't want to say the dates wrong. You should just watch watch sure. the series. I forget off the top of my head. Um, but basically, saying that there was ancient civilizations, and then they had to restart. And then in ancient scriptures, there was like people that taught them how to use certain agriculture and how to restart society. Um, but as far as as there being angels and devils here among us wouldn't even the sense of angels being with us be a a bad thing because in scripture like maybe i forget the exact story was it cain and abel where um or no i I think i'm saying that wrong it was just where god said to kill a whole entire city because it had been infiltrated by fallen angels and god didn't want that 
Yeah, what I mean, if you look story? at yeah, if you look at the uh, Old Testament, uh, he has a very clear separation for his people. He had a uh, he called the the people of Israel. So mm-hmm. you know Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. Uh, we can talk about uh, you know God's promise. He calls them out, um, and he says these people are are wicked. You know you are to have nothing to do with them. Um, their entire um, uh, population is, is evil. And I think this goes back to who God is and who, and His justice. Um, I mean, the reality is that uh, every every breath that we take is is a blessing from God. God mm. uh, has a, a common grace. Uh, you know, we say we, we sort of we use this phrase, um, which is the rain out here uh, is is a common grace that He has for all. But the fact that you see uh, His demand for holiness uh, reflects who God is as a um, uh, as a God. And so, yes, there are certainly plenty of uh, examples of people in the Old Testament who have uh, worshipped false gods. Uh, you can talk about the false god of Molech, uh, Dagon. I mean, you can read plenty of stories of uh, the Philistines, all of Samson, you know, of course, destroys the entire people because they are, they are wicked. Um, and uh, the Old Testament is still very relevant for us today. Now, we're not under, uh, you know, the ceremonial laws. Of course, God, when... Um, he, he died on the cross. We read that the temple, uh, the veil, was actually ripped. Uh, so we have direct access to God. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about Christ mm-hmm. is that uh, he is our priest now. You know, I, I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I don't have to sacrifice. He is uh, the mediator between God and man. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but... Uh, um, so w- w- maybe what I, I think in my mind is something that I've heard before that possibly could be dangerous... Um, for for anybody who's uh, a super devout in any religion, uh, could be, oh, them right there, they're devils, they're 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 Satan uh, reincarnated or whatever. So we need to to kill them or we need to take their land, and we shouldn't respect them. We shouldn't treat them as human beings. That's the dangerous thing I see in my mind. Yeah. So uh, again, scripture actually has a lot to say about this. Okay. Um, if we look in Romans, uh, God appoints the government. Uh, to be the authority. They are the uh, institution that God has used for exacting um, justice. So we, and we are to submit to government authority. So we are not... But do you think government is actually religious nowadays? Uh, no, it's, 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 it's a great point. Um, mm-hmm. But that is the institution that has the sole use of violence. Um, so we live in a society in which if you wrong me... Mm-hmm. Um, e- I, as a Christian, I am not to demand an exact revenge on you. I'm not to go punish you. I go through the government authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is, we're talking about different institutions. You know, God mm-hmm. has established the family. God has established the church. God has established the government. I mean, these, sure. are, these are institutions that he's mm-hmm. put in place. Now, you're absolutely right that, that government does not always do, uh, but we live in a, a fallen world. It's, uh, they're also, mm-hmm. um, sin has affected governments. But as Christians... Uh, we are st- we are still to submit to that. Uh, we we believe in the sovereignty of God that God is in control, um, and if, if that person's punished or not punished in this world, um, they'll be punished eventually. Uh, and it's not our responsibility uh, to exact revenge. So going back to your case about demons, um, mm-hmm. I I don't see the the necessary conflict there because um, even if someone is Evil. Of course, I'm going to protect myself. I mean, it doesn't doesn't mean I'm a pacifist. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not actually. There is a there is a, a tradition in some denominations of Christianity that are pacifists. Um, but 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 I can uh, defer to the government, knowing and trusting that God is is ultimately in control. 
Mm. So like an example that just popped in my mind was kind of how America in the past really demonized communism and said we have to go out of our way to you know kill the commies and make sure they're not here here with us and then um in doing that you know persecuted a lot of people that weren't really necessarily bad people maybe they just had differing ideas so i don't know that america ever killed the commies so i'm not sure maybe not maybe not killed but persecuted for surely yeah, sure. And I, I'm not here uh, to, to defend America. Like, America is not some special nation uh, uh-huh, necessarily. Sure. But I mean, there is a different, again, like a different strain. One nation under God. Uh, <laughs> well, sure. I mean, I think that's... Um, uh-huh. no, it, it's, it's funny because they, they try to be, but then it's like religion and uh, government's supposed to be separate. It's very confusing sometimes. Uh, mate, well... Um, I mean, that's a different discussion about sort of like <laughs> yeah. go off and down that track. But uh, in, in terms of, um, you know, going back to this notion that uh, America's done a lot of wrong things, right? I mean, certainly, um, you know, God does not uh, promise that government is always going to be uh, righteous. In fact, you look at Jesus Christ himself served under, uh, you know, frankly, a, a wicked Roman government. You look at the, the Romans, mm-hmm. uh, Nero, I mean, he persecuted Christians. Um, and yet Jesus still said, uh, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and under God to God the things that are God's. Uh, so we are still to submit to those in authority, um, ultimately knowing and trusting that God is in control. Mm. So one last thing I really wanted to touch on, um, something I've seen a lot more as far as social media lately. Um, my grandfather is a big proponent of this, that we are living in in times that are being retold throughout history and the Bible basically prophesies this moment that soon Jesus Christ will come back to the earth and the rapture will happen and he will create a kingdom for his people. Um, yeah, sure. We can, we can talk about the, the end times. That's, uh, again, and uh, theology. That's a eschatology, uh, which eschatology. is eschatology, which is the study of the end times. And so mm. I think this is, uh, th- there are room for there is room for differences among Christians. So Christians can have different opinions mm-hmm. about um, the rapture, for example. There is mm-hmm. this um, yeah. this idea that there's going to be this um, you know seven-year literal tribulation after the end. Does Christ come back after the end of the seven years? Does he come back in the middle? Does he come back before? Um, what what we, we do know, what we are promised, is that Christ will come back. Um, when he left, uh, he says, you know, I will return. Uh, be watchful, be waiting. Um, and then when that second coming comes, so we talk about the second coming of Christ. His, his first was, of course, 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Right, I mean that 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 is we have this limited time, we have this window where again God has been gracious, uh, God has given us life, He's given us knowledge of the things. I mean, even here, like you have heard the gospel, uh, you know the gospel's been shared with you. You understand that uh, uh, Christ is hundred percent God, hundred percent man. You know you're in need of a savior mm-hmm. to repent of your sins. Sure, I don't understand it, but I've been told that you've yes. been told that, right? <laughs> sure, so yes. in some sense, uh, you know that's all I can do, and that's all you know. And so if if you reject that in this period of time, um, there's not going to be another opportunity. Um, and so God, we read in Revelation that God will judge people uh, at, when his, at his coming back, he will judge those based on the works that they've done. Mm-hmm. Now, we've all done evil things, mm-hmm. and so... God is most merciful. 
only to those who he's merciful through Christ. So when mm. he looks at those who have trusted in him, he sees Christ's righteousness. So we only claim and plead the blood of Christ. So when God comes and says, you're going to be held guilty for your sins, and he will hold everyone guilty, that sin has already been paid by Christ himself. So, you know, the details, we don't know. I mean, God even says, no man knows the hour. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be watching, we should be waiting, uh, and we should certainly live as if he could come tomorrow. And again, like sharing the gospel, like, you know, you've, you've heard it today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should make sure that everybody hears it, but we, we don't know the day. We don't know the time when he, he comes mm-hmm. back. Just, just based off what I've been told with, I mean, even like you, you said today, the way government is and the way society is today, just so, so lost with, with faith and whatnot. And the believers will, um, diminish and diminish until the day when when he returns and whatnot um that it's kind of prophecy that it happens like this way but i don't know it's it's interesting um but i think that's a perfect way to live whatsoever like you should live today like you could die tomorrow because you're not you're not promising anything so i mean either way i mean let's just live today to the fullest and the most most loving, kind, empathetic way towards towards one another. Um, but something that sparked uh, curiosity in my mind, say, you know, God is a merc- most merciful, but only through Christ, say, someone has never really been exposed fully to Christ mm. somewhere in the world, um, say, was born in, uh, in India and yep. says studied Hinduism yep. their whole life, yep. for example. Would they be saved? Yeah, so that's a classic uh, example that's brought up. You know, okay. what about those people who have never heard? So we are still accountable. We have the law of God written on our hearts. Uh, even that person in India, uh, when they uh, sin, when they steal, when they lie, they still know that they have done wrong. Mm-hmm. And so God is not holding people account for never having heard the gospel or having heard uh, the name of Jesus. He is holding everyone accountable for their own works, for their own sin. Um, and it is, and we all deserve it. So, so, so to be clear, we, I also uh, deserve hell, uh, but God has been merciful in uh, you know, having someone share the gospel with me. Uh, he's been merciful in saving me. Um, but that person in India or Africa, you hear, you know, some, some lost tribe in Africa, um, they're still a sinner. All right, it's their sin that mm-hmm. sends them to hell, not their you know lack of, of not having heard the gospel. Sure, but would you say if, I mean, everybody is a sinner, even the mm-hmm. the best Christians of them all. That's right. If even that African tribe does does a lot of good in their community, they have a great family, the good family man um, does everything right in in some sense. I mean, not not everything, surely, um, but to the best of their ability, doing good. Would they go to heaven? No, no, I think no. That's, no. So I think it's I think it's very clear and it's important to uh, make that and, and and Scripture again makes that very clear. Um, we are all sin, you know. Uh, we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God, um, and the only way to heaven is through Him. And so that individual, uh, he may uh, do things that you know we would look at and say, oh, he's a good father, right? He protects his family, or. Um, uh, I don't know, he pays his taxes, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> sure, uh, but he still has sinned, and there still has to be a punishment for that sin. Um, and uh, there's no amount, and this is different uh, within some, you know, versions of Christianity. Even some some notions of Catholicism will say, you know, God's justice is like a scale. You know, He's going to weigh the good, and does your good outweigh the bad? And 
it's, it's not how it works. That's another thing that's just so in, so insane to me. I, I actually went down to Tennessee this past weekend and just seeing, I mean, there was a church like every every other mile mm-hmm. and just the different types. Like I've been learning new to new types sure. of Christianity, yeah, yeah. just um, the differences. And then you even have different Bibles for those different yep. churches. And then some churches that don't even have the Bible out, they have the pastor tell them what's right and wrong. It's just, it's a very all over the place religion sometimes. Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, I think there are core doctrines of, of Christianity, sure. like what it is. So if you, um, there are certain denominations, or I wouldn't even call them the denominations, like for example, Mormonism, it, it was not, it's not Christianity. Um, you know, Jehovah's it's, Witness. Je- uh, so, so those who claim, um, we think about, we, we, we often have confessions of faith, and that's a whole other podcast we can talk about. You know, um, there are core doctrines, core things that we believe about God, who He is, about Christ, who He is. So I think you'd find that, like, okay, let's take Baptists and Presbyterians. You know, there are good Presbyterians. You know, and there are Presbyterian. There, there will be Presbyterians in heaven. Um, you know, there there will be uh, Methodists in heaven. You know, there uh, because it's not the denomination that saves you. It's not you're going to church. It's not which Bible you read. It's do you repent of your sins? Do you acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you trust in Him and follow Him? And whether you do that, you know, Presbyterians believe in infant baptism, for example. Many many Presbyterians do. Does that mean you're not saved? No, right? Uh, I think it's a, a, a misunderstanding of Scripture, uh, and it's certainly something that we should discuss. I mean, obviously, we want to be continually growing as Christians, growing in the knowledge of Him. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Christianity is actually very simple. You know, it's it's not a complicated it, yeah. doctrine. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is pretty simple at the end of the day. Um, any any last words for for anybody out there listening, believers, non-believers, um, people of other religions, of people of Christianity? Yeah, if you're a, if you're a non-believer, if you're hearing this podcast, you've 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 heard the gospel. You've 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 um, you know, you're responsible now. You, there's no excuse. And if Christ comes back tomorrow, if you die tomorrow, um, you know, I would, I would certainly, if you have more questions, you can reach out to me. I'd be happy to sit down. You know, we had an hour conversation. You just reached out. And I'm, I'm always happy. In fact, that's, as, a, as a Christian, that is our responsibility. We are to, to, to share the gospel. Um, so if you have any questions about that, I'd be more than happy. You can put my email address or, you know, share that with your listeners. Cool. Uh, um, for those of you who are believers, uh, we just continue to um, encourage you. Um, make sure that you're uh, continue to study uh, the Word, uh, spend time uh, every day becoming more and more like Him, um, and also happy to uh, talk about that further. And if you don't have a church um, and you're looking for a church, uh, you could you could go to Providence Bible Fellowship. Uh, we'd love to see you there. And awesome. that's for non-believers as well. Anybody is welcome, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. That's great. Great to know. All right, goodbye, everybody. All right, thanks, thanks Michael. Bye.